0: If you're new here, I've got a free gift for you on how to scale your agency to multiple six and even seven figures and beyond by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself from the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is text the word FREEDOM to 720-792-8036. Again, that's 720-792-8036. Just text the word freedom and I'll send you the free gift on how to achieve freedom in your agency and life. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners? Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm hanging out today with John Morris. He is the founder and CEO of Ramsey Innovations, a finance management and strategic planning company that is focused on helping marketing communication firms grow faster. Before starting Ramsey Innovations, Morris was the founder and CEO of Rise Interactive. He received recognition for excellence in client service, innovation, including acknowledgement from the Inc. 500, 5,000 fastest growing companies, nine time winner, ad age, best places to work and advertising, also in featured in Fortune Magazine, Forrester, and many more. He's been personally recognized as a leader in technology innovation on the Tech Week 100 list and the Cranes Chicago Tech 50 list. Dude, welcome to the program. Glad to have you here today, John. Really excited to be here, Brent. Thanks so much for having me. So before you started Ramsey, which we're going to talk about, we're going to nerd out on some agency finance stuff yes. today. I just, I just got to be up front with our listeners that we're going to get like <laughs> into the gritty of of agency finance world, which I think for some people are like, ooh, I got to talk about my numbers today, right? Like Tom's <laughs> going to tell me what all this stuff means. And other people might be, uh, they, they might've already hit the skip button. I think they might've already, you I'm, know. I'm just
1: letting off. you the numbers are sexy. They're, they're <laughs> going to, you know, it was even sexier results.
0: I know. And I, I wish, I want everybody that's, that listens to our show regularly to tune into these types of ep- episodes because I yeah. feel like knowing your numbers, I mean, the, at the end of the day, building a profitable agency you know, if you don't know your numbers, like it's it's never going to happen. At least at scale, right? I mean, maybe you can you can like mistake your way to some profits, but um, I think scalable profits are going to happen from really getting comfortable with the numbers. And John, you're going to help us today on that. But before you started Ramsey, a little bit about Rise Interactive because you had an agency and you kind of took it from nothing to big. What well, well, tell us that story?
1: First, I went to University of Chicago for business school, and they have an annual business plan competition called the New Venture Challenge. I entered the competition, took second place, won $10,000. And I can tell you 18 years later, I am still very, very bitter. It was not first. That being said, that was my seed money to start Rise Interactive. And I want to let you know that when I was going through that presentation, one of the business coaches said to me that I'm incredibly boring. I don't smile enough. And I'm way too soft-spoken. And one of my friends, when I presented to them said that they were so bored they wanted to stab their eyes out with a pencil. (laughs) So when I think about your audience about to listen to finance management from a guy that is way too soft-spoken and doesn't smile enough, my condolences for all of you as you listen for the rest
0: of this. That's some great feedback. I mean, I can only (laughs) imagine how that felt in the moment.
1: Yeah, you know, I was like, well, I'm on top of the world here. But regardless, I did have a very successful run with Rise. I took that $10,000. I turned into one of the largest independent digital agencies over 18 years, about 250 employees. We were recognized by Forrester as one of the top 10 performance marketing agencies globally. And a lot of what we did in terms of the success was what we did from a finance management perspective. You'll hear me say this often. Every single person who owns an agency has a strategic plan, whether they know it or not. It is what you actually spend your money on. And we were very focused on spending our money really intelligently. And it was really simple. The philosophy was to spend as much money as possible on sales and marketing. So we spent a lot of time thinking about what are things we don't need to spend so that we could spend money on sales and marketing to help fuel the growth of the
0: agency. And John, I wanna I wanna dig into that a little bit because I I get the pleasure of looking at a lot of agency profit and loss statements through our coaching program. Yep. I mean, I think up until this point, I've you know, actual strategic plans and, and PL statements. I am always very surprised at the either non-existent or shoestring budget when it comes to spending, investing on agencies' own marketing. And Yep whether, you know, the, the founder is like the chief salesperson, the founder is the chief marketer. <laughs> and, and then it's like, you know, they've got a, you know, six figure, or seven figure agency, even just spending on, you know, the idea of spending on, you know, association sponsorship or anything. Right. It's like, oh man, it's going to be like $2,000 to spend money on that. Right. It's like, but the, the yeah. underinvestment, and, and then there's this like other thing that I'd love to hear your comment on. Which is that they I think a lot of agencies think, oh, because I'm a social media agency and I do this for my clients, I'll just do my own stuff. You know, I'll just do, I'll make time, I'll make my myself my own yep. best client, right? And so they kind of like pseudo invest in sales and marketing, but like like actual like dollars to the pavement is never, never really where it should be. So what what kind of I mean, what level, what percentage of yes. your of your revenue were you investing in sales and marketing?
1: So we were always north of 10%. And I always I'll give you three kind of rules to follow. If you are spending between zero and five percent of your revenue on sales and marketing, you are not serious about growth. If you are spending between five and ten percent of your revenue on sales and marketing, you are looking for moderate growth. And if you are at ten percent plus, plus, you care a lot about growth and it's important to you. And by the way, that doesn't mean that you have to do it. Like A lot of people I meet are really happy owning a small boutique agency that's of a certain size. And I think that's awesome. you know. But if you want to build a large agency, then you have to invest in the sales and marketing. And you, you brought up a really good point about someone runs a social media agency. So therefore they say, you know what, we'll just do social media ourselves. What I have found is that the Least important client of all time will always be yourself. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, and I'll give you, this is a true It's, it's story. like one of
0: those things, that it's easy to say, like, oh, we'll be our own best client, right? It's yeah. really easy to say that. But it, like in practice, when the when the decision is on Friday, we have a deadline for a client or we told ourselves that we're going to launch this new blog post, like the client's always going to win.
1: Exactly. And so, you know, Rise has its own separate sales and marketing function. you know, as I just said, we're rated as one of, or we were rated as one of the top global performance marketing agencies, but we separated the two out so that we could ensure that we were actually doing performance marketing for ourselves,
0: yeah. Cloudways is excited to offer our listeners a $50 hosting credit in addition to their amazing benefits of their agency partner program. For more details, head over to yougurus.com slash Cloudways or use promo code D-A-S-C-W when signing up. Let's get back to our show. I love that message. I mean, even just to think of an agency that's doing $500,000 a year, they should be spending $50,000 a year to grow their business to that next level in sales and marketing, you know? I mean, at, at a minimum, right? To be growth mindset-wise. And that's, you know, I think that's actual cash out the door, whether it's hiring other agencies or spending on ads or conferences or things like that.
1: Exactly. Now, I'll just give you a real, or I'll give your audience a really simple exercise to do. When I started Rise, and by the way, it's kind of funny, but it's going back to 2004. People actually used the fax. Still at that time point, and you know, for nine dollars and ninety nine cents a month, you could get an eFax line. Yeah, and that was a really standard thing to get at that moment in time. Well, my parents lived a mile away, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to sign up for eFax. If I need to fax something, I'll walk the mile or I'll bike to my parents' house and I'll use their fax machine. And the philosophy was that if I can make ten. a month decisions, that would give me $1,200 to spend on sales and marketing. And so if you literally go through every single line item of your P&L, literally every single line item, and ask yourself one simple question, is this more important than sales and marketing? You will find a lot of money that you can spend on sales and marketing.
0: One thing I hear from agencies a lot is... That they need to figure out other stuff first. Like, I just need to get my project management system like under control. I need to get my processes dialed in before I can get out there and really start selling and and marketing my business. Right? There's always like, there's always something yeah. uh, that kind of gets in the way of this. And I'm, I'm I'm getting the impression that maybe you kind of put sales and marketing first in in the business.
1: Yes, with honesty with my
0: prospects.
1: Hey, this is a new service. I'm going to give you a discount on the price because I am trying to get this out the door. In exchange for that discount on price, I would like a case study and I'd like to be able to use your logo. I get that client, the next client, hey, I want to be honest with you. I only have one or two clients that have been doing this for. I'm going to give you a discount on price, but it's a smaller discount than the person who first did it. And... I'm still getting my project management system in place. I'm still getting a few other, you know, things in place. I'm going to let you know it's going to be clunky, but you keep on doing that. You figure out what you need in a much better fashion that way.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I like that you, the way you frame that is is you're you're not trying to you know sell something that it is not like your your brand promise and customer experience are very aligned. That you're yeah you're setting the expectation that this is you're kind of building the plane while you fly it, but Hey, you know, they're going to get something out of it too. And you're going to kind of put some icing on the cake with when, when you become a testimonial, right. That little future pacing there, when you're a testimonial, we can use your logo and we, you're going to create a video with us. Right. Yeah. So, and I love these, these simple rules like around marketing and sales and kind of where people should be investing in their business and kind of just some rules of thumb. Your current company, Ramsey Innovations is is purely about like the financial assistance, you know, helping agencies with their 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 financial picture and kind of helping them manage that. So I'd love yeah. to get into some of the the finance stuff on the the agency side, right? So we've talked a little bit about sales mm-hmm. and marketing. What are some other top like numbers that agencies should be really focused on. I mean, I guess just to even start it off, one of the common questions I get is around how much people should be paying in terms of, you know, salaries and, you know, contractors and team, like like the amount of money they should be spending to get the work done.
1: Uh, Sure. So I'm going to, to get to the answer to that, I'm just going to provide a few different definitions. The first thing is revenue, believe it or not, is a confusing number to people. So I want to give you my version of revenue. There is two types of revenue. There is gross revenue and there is net revenue. Gross revenue includes all your pass-through stuff. So if you're spending money on media, that's counted. Then net revenue is after you remove all of that pass-through numbers. Then from there, the next area is what I call cost of service. This is what it takes to actually service that business. Everything it takes to service that revenue, including people. Now I'm going to tell you the first big rule that you should be following. I want your cost of service to be fifty percent or less of your total revenue of your net revenue. That will help you understand what your gross margin is. So your gross margin is your net revenue minus your cost of service. Once again, your cost of service is payroll, tools, technology, travel and entertainment. Anything that by having a client you have to pay for go, falls into that number. and That gives you your gross margin.
0: Yeah. How would, you know, in terms of like an owner, right? I mean, they, they probably would have to kind of divvy up their own salary because they might be, you know, some of their time is spending managing the business and some of their time might yeah. be doing client service stuff. Or if they have team members that are splitting their time, I assume they've got a kind of go in and, and, and divvy that out a little bit? So
1: generally what I do when you're a smaller company, and let's just say you're the CEO of the company, but you're doing the client work, I have the CEO's compensation falling into the into a different bucket, which is under the executive team. But you just have to recognize that your gross margin is gonna look larger than it really is. I'll give you an example, client of ours, 3 million in revenue, doing a great job, Really profitable. Gross margin is like sixty to sixty-five percent, but the CEO is doing a ton of work themselves. And so, what I explained is that that's not a scalable number because at some point they're going to have to hire a head of client service, and that's going to cost them five to ten points of their you know their gross margin to bring in that person. So, as long as you have good clarity that, hey, my gross margin is not really at the number it says it is, I'm okay with that rule. I don't like taking individuals and splitting them up into multiple departments. I just think it gets too messy in terms
0: got of how you you. Manage things. so you've got you know, you've got some potentially how how people are doing this. You might end up having some kind of asterisks on some of these, you know, target amounts, yep. right? So the owner is exactly. heavily involved and maybe, you know your gross margin target might go from you know fifty percent to forty percent or something like that.
1: Actually, go the opposite route. I'll go fifty to sixty percent
0: i am sorry. Yeah. not
1: that. Right. And then, uh, and then on the cost of service side, or sorry, now on the SG&A side, which is stands for selling and general and administrative expenses, it's everything that you spend money on that is not related to client work, like rent or you know executive compensation or sales and marketing. Uh, I I generally break it up into three buckets. Executive, operations and finance, and sales and marketing. That you want to be 30% of your revenue, which leaves you to 20% profit based on your revenue that you produce. Now, here is another way that you can generate more for your sales and marketing. You can improve your gross margin. So rather than being at 50%, you could get try to get to 55 or 60%. That gives you more money put in sales and marketing. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to have a lower target than 20% for profit. Right. Rise operated for many, many years with a 5% target as opposed to a 20% target. My goal was to fuel the growth of the business. And as long as I felt that there were positive net present values Items so things that I would get a greater return than if I invested in the stock market, I wanted to make those investments, and so I targeted fifteen percent more that I got to put into sales and marketing than the typical agency that was spending you know that was hitting that twenty percent target.
0: Five percent feels thin. Uh, it is, <laughs> you know, like one one mistake right or a bad quarter could put you. Uh, in a lurch, were there were there periods of time where you had like an unprofitable quarter? I mean, how did you approach you know financing and making sure the business stayed cash flow, you know liquid if your your margin, your target is that narrow? Well, there's a couple of things. I mean,
1: one, it all depends on what the numbers are of your business. Five percent of ten million is a very different number than five percent of one million, which is a very different number than five percent of one hundred thousand. So, I absolutely want as a rule of thumb for people to put two months to six months of their expected expenses in a cash reserve to prepare for a rainy day. So uh, if you're, let's just say, spending $100,000 a month on cost of service, SG&A, and taxes and interest... I want you to have two months to six months of that number. So somewhere between two hundred and six hundred thousand dollars and $600,000 in your bank account. The way I determine that number is your revenue reoccurring revenue versus project revenue. Do you have a healthy pipeline or don't have a healthy pipeline? Do you have any capital improvements coming up? Do you have owners that are going to be taking a large withdrawal or things like that coming up? so those help you determine what you should put in as a cash reserve to protect yourself for you know those rainy day scenarios so if you've got um, a
0: business with no recurring revenue no pipeline and you know uh, let's kind of disregard the capital improvements and the owner distros. but let's say if you don't if you have that kind of weak cash flow kind of cash projection situation between recurring yeah. and, and not a good sales pipeline, then, then those businesses you'd push to have a much higher uh, reserve. But if they, if they have some of that more revenue uh, uh, forecast ability, maybe they could be a little bit more tight and more growth focused. Yeah. You know, and a couple of things. One,
1: building free cash flow is a really important part of your overall strategy. I want everyone to have four major goals. One goal is a revenue top-line growth. Just from a multiple standpoint, if you're looking to sell your business at some point, by getting to certain thresholds, the multiple that you're able to generate will go up as you get a higher top-line number. The second one I want is a profit goal. As long as you have solid cash management, I'm okay with you having a lower number than that 20% as long as you have the strong cash management to follow suit with it. The third one is that cash goal that I just talked to you about. And then the fourth one is what I call an infrastructure goal. And generally, what I want you to do is have four investments that you want to make so that in January of the next year, it is better than January of this year in terms of your business. So that could be, you know, you want to invest in your recruiting infrastructure. You want to invest in your sales and marketing. You want to invest in that project management system. you know Whatever those things are, the idea is that every year you're investing to build a stronger business. I I can't tell you how many businesses I've seen where they might be really profitable, but they have no infrastructure. And then I hear comments like, I just promised my client delivery team that I'm not going to bring on any new customers uh, because we don't have enough people to support them. It's like, well, that tells me you need to invest in recruiting because you're leaving money on the table. So
0: those are the things that you should be thinking about. So have, have four infrastructure goals, even if yeah. you're not ready to invest in them at this point, but you've got those identified of kind of your next four bets for the agency. Well, no. To be so I,
1: I'm actually suggesting that you do invest in them. Okay. Now, investing can be time or money because time is money. And You know, it can be things such as just what you're talking about before about project management. Like one of our goals is, you know, our processes for client onboarding is not as effective as I would like it to be. And by the end of the year, we're going to have an amazingly solid client onboarding process. It could be we don't have a strong recruiting infrastructure and we're turning down business because we don't have enough recruiting infrastructure, could be that we're not generating enough leads. It could be that we want to grow out a specific service line. So it's time for us to get into social, even though we've been in paid search and programmatic already. So you get four at the most. I'm okay if you say we only want to do one, but you only get four.
0: Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at E2MSolutions.com. That's E, the number two, M, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. In terms of, let's talk about executive pay for a second, because I think I've heard different th- schools of thoughts on on what the agency owner should get paid. Yep. I realize it's easy to manipulate net profit by potentially underpaying oneself. What's kind of your rule of thumb in terms of what the agency owner should target for their own, their own executive comp? Well, I'm going
1: to answer that, but I'm going to do it a slightly roundabout way. The first thing is I want every single owner to understand there is an opportunity cost to their time. They could close this business up and they could go get a job and get paid for that job. And when you think about ownership and you think about compensation, there are three types of compensation that you should be getting. The first is a salary. That salary should be commensurate with a independent third-party recommendation of what a CEO should get paid for the size of your business. So if you have a $3 million agency and you're in the Chicagoland area and you do a compensation study, I think it's probably going to come back at like 200 to 250K. If you're in the middle of nowhere, Montana, and you have a $1 million agency and you do a compensation study... I don't know what that is, but it's going to be a
0: a lower number. When you say compensation study in third party, I mean, is this just going to like, I mean, I I don't think Glassdoor has like competitive agency owner CEO rates, but maybe they do. Um, But do you have a a suggestion for how somebody would to to go about this?
1: Yeah. So I, I use a company called 3C. They charge about $300 to do a study on an individual. But there's also like PayScale and salary.com. So there's a few online resources that requires a little bit more work of the individual to do the, the, the homework. But I'm a huge believer in it doesn't really matter. You know, Like I get this all the time of like, I can't afford to pay the rates of my competitors that are much larger. But the reality is, if that's who your competition is, you know... In the market that you happen to be in, like you have to understand that there's a really good chance that person's going to walk if you're not paying commensurate with the role and the responsibility they have at that, you know, in that market for that type of work that they're doing. So mm. that's the first part, though, going back to the CEO pay salary. Is, yep. Is salary. The second one is if they lend the business money they should charge interest on that money and it should be commensurate with the level of risk of that business and then the third one is your ownership and there is nothing wrong with taking a distribution you know based on the percent of ownership that you have in the business now what i would say though is you know i just talked about the importance of building a cash reserve so going back to your question before about, you know, rise and it was a slim number at 5%, I didn't take distributions. I left the money in there. So even though the, the percent was small, I allowed it to grow. Mm. And I can tell you, I can't tell you how many times my wife said to me, is like, couldn't we just take the revenue from one of those new clients, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I acted my as my own private equity investor with that 15% that I was taking and putting back into the business rather than putting into my pocket.
0: You mentioned the interest in a loan. I mean, I think a lot of agency owners put their own money into their business. I think a lot of them do that as a, they just put it in, you know, they just put the cash in and they don't, they don't treat it as a, as necessarily a loan. Uh, maybe it's more treated as as an investment. Um, if it is their own money going in the business, I think when maybe if there's partners involved in the business, maybe it would be treated differently. But I do know a lot of agencies are kind of solo owners. How how and when should they think of it as as more of a loan versus just straight up investment in the business? So a couple of things.
1: I would talk to their financial advisor about whether that should be capitalized or whether it should be a loan. So I I can't give you a blanket statement of it It should always be a loan versus it should be capitalized. So, But whatever it is, it is is a capital raise from the business and you happen to be the investor. So if you are putting the money in, it either is going to show up on the balance sheet as equity or it's going to show up as debt. Uh, If you put it in and you treat it as debt, I actually recommend, and I do this for myself, writing a contract with the terms of the agreement. At some point, you're going to sell this company, you're going to bring on partners, you're going to raise money. And if you just sat there and threw a bunch of money in there and you don't record these things, uh, well, then the uh, future investors are... You know, they're not going to care that you put that money in, or they're going to say, Well, show me that you put that money in, or do you have paperwork on putting that money in? And so I like to treat those as two very different groups of people. There is the business, and then there is you as the individual, and treat it as a business transaction.
0: John, I'm curious uh, as we kind of wrap today, what um, any low hanging fruit that you typically find with agencies that will increase profitability, any kind of quick you know, kind of your, your first go-tos to help an agency either increase the margin or get to profitability?
1: Yeah, the, the number one most important thing an agency can do is start by just understanding what is their real gross margin. 95% of the time, if not more, they have no idea. When you use an accounting software like QuickBooks, and you have payroll that goes in there, It shows up as one line called wages in the expenses section. But generally, that should be in the cost of services or the cost of goods section. And so people don't understand what the real gross margin is. Knowing that 50% should be the target, 95% of the time as well, they are below that target. And so that gives you so much more freedom to invest in the other parts of the business.
0: Awesome. Well, hopefully our listeners today have uh, already opened up QuickBooks or Zero, <laughs> and they're already going. Wait a minute. What's my gross margin? What's my gross margin? Got to get to fifty uh, yeah. percent or better. Get to get to sixty percent, and then invest that mm-hmm. uh, that extra margin in sales and marketing, which I think is a is an amazing takeaway and message for our listeners today. Do you have time to stick around, John, for our lightning round? I absolutely do. What is the best advice you've ever received? Hire A players. Which of your personal habits has contributed
1: most to your success? As a kid, all I did was play strategy games. And I look at business
0: as the greatest strategy game of all time. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? ClickUp
1: is a phenomenal project management tool that I find incredibly easy to use. And if you implement it right, you should make sure that all your tasks for all your client work is done effectively.
0: And what book could you recommend and why?
1: Checklist Manifesto. It's funny, as I read that book and my, uh got really, really into it, my wife is like, I really don't understand why you're so excited about a book that is literally about checklists. <laughs> but. The reality is like, if you go to my LinkedIn profile, one of the things I talk about is that I'm awesome at boring. And the reality is that in order to do a really good job is getting into the nitty gritty and doing a really good job with the small little details and getting them right. Mm -hmm. And creating a checklist is actually much harder than people realize, but is incredibly powerful to reducing errors and ensuring success if you can get it right.
0: Well, that's a fantastic message for our listeners. I love that book. It's a quick read. Check out Checklist Manifesto as well as ClickUp. We'll link out to both of those amazing resources on our show notes at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. I also love that message of uh, getting awesome at the boring, whether that's a (laughs) superpower of people or or developing that. Uh, That (laughs) kind of takeaway or nugget will be on our show notes at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. John, how can folks find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out?
1: Yeah, go to RamseyInnovations.com. Follow Ramsey Innovations on LinkedIn. Follow me. I post almost every day on just different tips about growing your agency on LinkedIn as well. And you can always email me at jon at RamseyInnovations.com.
0: Awesome. Well, we appreciate all of those places that people can get resources. So check out RamseyInnovations.com. Also... John on LinkedIn and his email address, all that good stuff will organize at com forward slash podcast. So check out our show notes page. If you're looking to follow up with John from today's episode, we'll link out to those social media profiles, his email, his website, and lots of other cool takeaways and nuggets. So mm-hmm. check that out at com slash podcast. John, thanks for stopping by the program today.
1: Brent, really happy to be here. I hope I add some value to the audience.
0: I, this has definitely been, I've I've got my own gold nugget list from today's show. (laughs) So I appreciate, I appreciate you being here today and uh, sharing this stuff with our folks. And that is it for this week's episode of the digital agency show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency. So you can achieve freedom in business and life until next time I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and remember If you want this free gift, all about how to scale to six and seven figures and beyond in your agency, just text the word FREEDOM to 720-792-8036. That's the word FREEDOM to 720-792-8036. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.